Hey everybody, glad you could join us today on FCC Online, especially on this Mother's Day. We're so grateful for moms, for all the ways that they enrich our lives and sacrifice and make uh, love take on so many beautiful characteristics in the lives of the people that they care for. Uh, we are grateful and as a person who um, is thinking about their mom who is 88 years old right now, um, I can't help but, uh, but wonder um, what chapters the Lord uh, has uh, still in store for her. And I'm so grateful that uh, she's still with us. And as we celebrate together, I know it's not easy because we're in that quarantine moment. Um, but uh, when the time comes, hopefully we can make up for a little bit of um, lost opportunity. Uh, in the meantime, my son Christian has made available some irises for moms. Uh, and they're going to be underneath the carport um, whenever you drive up today. And as um, you do, there's two different kinds that are available. Some are purple and some are peach. Uh, don't take them all, but um, for moms, uh, we just want to offer you that. And hopefully as you're spending time and money on gardens and yard work and things like that, on top of the multitude of other responsibilities you have, um, this will uh, brighten your day a little bit. Well, I also want to um, uh, just invite you to our experience of uh, this message series called Wondering, and it really is about the experience of people in the Bible. And we want to compare it a lot to the experience of what we're going through on what is, uh, what, in my estimation, if I go by March uh, 11th as the day that quarantine sort of became a reality for us, it's been right at 60 days uh, that we've been together um, in this way that uh, is so unique in the way that I've ever experienced worship together in spirit, which is a very biblical means by which we connect. And as we do, I know God is blessing it. And I trust that as you are trying to adapt to these circumstances like everybody else, uh, God is, is blessing you and showing himself faithful to you in the mix. But as we wander, I've been going through passages of scripture that have talked about people who have taken some epic journeys. And uh, on the first uh, Sunday of the series, we just talked about what it means to wander in general and how wandering is a crucible of refining and of testing and of clarifying what it is that's inside each of us and is inside of uh, the, the just the overall structure of society and how well we're put together or not put together. And for many of us, we find that uh, we're getting a little bit of edgy from being uh, disconnected for so long from other people. If we're a business owner, it's not been easy at all. The change has been hard uh, for parents, especially uh, moms watching over kids. I know this has been hugely challenging and just uh, many, many changes that are not really fully discernible or even we even have language for that as time goes on, we'll look back and we'll say, oh yeah, during that time, this changed or that changed or things aren't quite like they used to be. This was a defining moment uh, that I had went through and now on the other side of it, uh, life is different. And that does present a challenge within itself for all of us, because I don't know about you, there are some things that I don't mind changing. Uh, there are other things that as they change, you're like, hmm, yeah, 
And as uh, we um, have to adapt to changes that are under our control and some that aren't under our control, um, we have to embrace them. And, and at times we have no choice. And uh, this is one of those moments where we don't seem to have a lot of choices. And that really brings us to the crux of the questions that I want to raise uh, with you guys uh, this morning as we look at where we're at on day 60. And not to underscore that too much other than to say it is a moment of kind of wandering in territory that is unfamiliar. Uh, I've never been down this road before. I've never had to do uh, my messages uh, pointing at a, uh, looking at a green light and imagining uh, each of you guys on the other side of it and just thinking about your responses and realizing that it's a different task. Well, uh, this is something that as I look at the Bible, I find that there are a few answers that help us along the way. And if you're struggling right now with change, uh, maybe uh, you're familiar with the scale that's out there that psychologists use for uh, individual change units. And they'll put on a scale of, of like one to a hundred. Uh, what are the things that are dramatic disruptions uh, that create cognitive dissonance? Um, it, it could be uh, the death of a spouse or, or someone that's going through a divorce or somebody that's uh, lost a job or somebody that has a business that's not quite working the way it should and just on and on. And they, they tag each experience with um, with, with a number of points. And if you get so many uh, points, then it's an indication that you're going to have a health issue. And so there's something stressful about change that the body and the mind um, has a hard time with. And for us, I don't know where each of you guys are, uh, but for me, I'm sure there's, if I'm honest, there's been a little bit of stress. And so I'm asking the question, where does God fit in all of this? And as we explore these stories, uh, like we did last week with Abraham, where we look at a guy who was called to a land that God would show him uh, with a high degree of uncertainty and unfamiliarity with that place called Canaan land and the challenges of a famine that uh, led him to Pharaoh's doorstep and just so many things that he didn't see coming that really messed with his world. And it, in the process, revealed what was inside of him and caused him, I think, uh, to lean closer and closer uh, in his faith and dependence on God. And if there's anything that comes out of this, my friends, it's that you and I are able to lean closer and closer uh, into uh, the faith and the dependence on the Lord that we have, that we're established in. And I hope that when we can uh, just find ourselves resting in that reality, that we can find a new joy in unfamiliar territory. I want to explore a little bit uh, how uh, change impacted another group of people, and that is the group of people that were uh, the result of 430 years uh, from the time of Joseph to the time of Moses in the nation of Egypt. And there was a moment where the Egyptian pharaoh said, I, I'm, I'm threatened by the presence of these aliens, and uh, so I'm going to well, I'm going to make a decree and kill all of the all, all of the firstborn males. And out of that story, we get Moses in a in a little boat going to a place down the river that, as God in His sovereignty determined, was Pharaoh's palace. And uh, his body, and his body still alive um, in that in that little boat, was retrieved 
by Pharaoh's daughter and then raised by her handmaiden, uh, um, Moses's mother. And it's just a, a wild story of how God is in the mix. If you zoom out a little bit on the timeline to uh, some years down the way, about 40, Moses is starting to get um, uh, he's starting to get anxious about how there's such a difference between the Egyptians and his own people and the injustices that are happening and things that are really getting under his skin about the circumstances that he finds himself in. Well, long story short, he's called to lead uh, the people of God, Israel, out of Egypt. And he's not necessarily leading by himself, but rather he is following God as the people are following him. And I want you to kind of get wrap your mind around that because the deliverance that happened for these guys in the end was the orchestration of God's will and purpose. And Moses was an agent for that process. And it was a time for deliverance and redemption. And as God used Moses for that end, uh, the call was to uh, bring the people out of Egypt with Pharaoh's consent. Only in the storyline, we find that he didn't consent and that God had to finally harden his heart, which was already hardening anyway, to a point where Pharaoh's uh, own child was killed by the death angel during the Passover. Well, that was a miraculous event and a way that God sustained his people and God showed his glory uh, to them in the process. When Pharaoh told them to go, um, they did. And as they were fleeing, they, they, they ran across an obstacle and that was the Red Sea. And they discovered that Pharaoh had a change of heart and he had uh, the pounding hoofbeats of murderous soldiers uh, just uh, uh, echoing in the background and not knowing what to do because the promise was God was going to call Israel as his own child into a land that was of his promising and he was going to fulfill that promise and give them the thing that he so desired for them to know and enjoy and experience with him. And here they are at the edge of the sea and they're waiting for just the inevitable. And then the unthinkable happened. God parted the waters and Moses and the Israelites walked through. And then when it was time for Pharaoh and his chariots to follow, the water receded back over them and destroyed the army. And it was just one of what would become countless divine actions radiating the glory of God and the power of God um, in, the, in, in, the, in the human drama. And as the people were delivered, there should have been a, a deep sense of appreciation. But you find that this wandering experience really taxed them. And maybe the changes that they went through were too much. I don't really know. But as God had uh, just met their every request, God we're thirsty. Can you give us water? And water came out of the rock. And then they said, God, we're hungry. Where are we going to eat? And God provided uh, a bread from heaven, manna, something that uh, we don't have any real knowledge of other than the words of the Bible describing it to the degree that our taste buds uh, can't capture. And as we consider how God in so many ways provided for them, he defeated Pharaoh's army. Uh, he showed himself time and time again faithful to the promise that he was going to call them out and that they would be safe and that the promises that he 
um, had offered to Moses and to them that they would be delivered into the promised land and their enemies would be routed by God and God's people in the, in, in the whole experience and the whole drama would find themselves under the covering of his care. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way because something entered into the equation that, that, that began to disrupt and uh, destroy their participation in the promises that God held out for them. And that was their grumbling and their doubt and their rebellion and ultimately insurrection against Moses and then insurrection against Joshua and Caleb down the road. And these are pretty uh, major stumbling blocks on the road to the promised land that actually uh, kept a generation of people out. And as we explore that story, I want to look at what you and I are going through because uh, we have to look at the news and we have to hear stories about how this is unfolding and the lives of people that uh, take ill and the preparations that we have to go through in order to not spread any 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 germs and all of these things are just so disruptive and disorienting and as we go through that a lot of us are struggling a little bit to try to make sense out of it and for the things that don't make any sense we wonder how is it that we can find a stable place by which we can evaluate what's happening and that's why we're doing this series, because I think that stable place is actually found in these pivotal stories in Scripture. In the wandering of God's people, there were two questions, and they were, they were simply this. The questions that the Israelites had are, what's God's pattern? Because they were just really getting familiar with who this God was and starting to see him in a, in, in a more personal way. And what's my response? Now, they're not the first ones that have had to go through this time of unfamiliar territory and reorienting uh, themselves to the person of God. Um, Abraham went through it. Um, and as, we, as we're gonna look ahead, David, Elijah, Jeremiah, Jesus, the apostle Paul, uh, just to name a few, uh, were looking at God's pattern and then responding in their own wilderness wanderings based on their understanding of how God in the midst of unfamiliar times uh, would react or how he would lead or how he would um, give us vital information that sustains us, that's life and death. And the second question is, what's my response whenever we discover that? And so as you look at this list that I'm putting up here, I mentioned this in the uh, Lunch with Leonard on, my, on Tuesday, um, which was sort of a overthrow, over, overflow of all of the message stuff that uh, I didn't share um, that, that prior Sunday. And what I want you to be aware of is that every time God gives a promise and we begin to walk into it, as we discover this in Scripture, there is a pattern that happens. And the promises that God gives us, I mean, there's so many in scripture that we need to cling to in this time of uncertainty. But in the case of the Israelites, they were promised that 
God would be a father to them and they would be like a child and a son rather. And as uh, that promise is given, also the promise to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And there was a promise that God would go before them and that promise would God would help them along the way. And so at night there was a pillar of fire where they could stay warm and there was a pillar of cloud to keep getting scorched by the sun. And so at every part of their sustainability, God was providing what they needed and it was embedded in his word, his promise. Well, problems emerged and uh, the people responded to them in ways that were probably just how any human would do based on the relative trust or distrust they have of this deity that's calling them to a, um, a dramatic move. And so the problems that, for example, Abraham faced uh, were that he was told to go to a land that God would show him. And he went there and he just went on. And then he ended up in some battles and he had a famine. And then he was told his wife would have a child and that never seemed to happen. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, at the 11th hour, when Abraham needed God the most to honor the promise, God did. God came through. And with Moses, it was very similar. Whenever the people were struggling with Pharaoh and the ways that um, they were being oppressed, God came through. When the twelve, when the ten plagues happened, and each of them were countered with something that God did that was more powerful, God came through. When the Red Sea happened, God came through. When they needed food in the wilderness, God came through. And when the armies were just right on their heels, God came through. And in, in these ways, God demonstrated that in the midst of our problems, his glory shines the brightest. And I don't know about you, but the season that we're in right now, it is problematic. It's problematic on many levels. We don't know what it means for work. We don't know what it means for health. We don't know what it means in terms of all the things that we mentioned last week, the belonging needs, the livelihood needs, the emotional needs, the safety needs, the spiritual needs, you know, the things that we are called to be a blessing for. You see, bundled into all of those needs is actually a promise that God would provide for each of them. The critical thing is... Point number three, how do we participate in those promises? Now, for the Israelites, their participation was pretty lame. And this is what we read in Numbers 14, for example. If you read the book of Exodus, it really is about the deliverance of God's people from Pharaoh. And then the last half of it, or the second half of it, is about building of either a, a temple to a cow or a temple for God, and a choice had to be made. The second thing uh, that, that we read is Deuteronomy, which is a recapitulation of everything that happened in the Exodus. And then um, Leviticus is uh, the way that life together in its hygienic and holy ways, the practices that people do in order to preserve community on those levels are described. Uh, then there's numbers. And Numbers is about complaining, because that seems to happen a lot in the book of Numbers. 
And if you consider that these guys have been on a journey, Numbers reminds us that this thing started out to be just a quick trek from, uh, from, from Egypt to the promised land. Shouldn't have taken that long, maybe 40 days. Well, the thing is, when the spies went in and they checked out the land, 10 of them came out doubting. The, the image they had was, we can't win. They're too big. They're too powerful. And we're all doomed. And isn't it amazing how fear just spreads uh, in, 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 in just such a viral way? Uh, just a few people in a large group of people. It's kind of like shouting fire in a movie theater. It's something that is so contagious and so, well, it's so destructive that um, it really undermined the morale of God's people. And so coming out of that, the people just were like, we can't do this. And Moses is just beside himself. Well, as it unfolds, God says, you know what? They're never going to go into the promised land, at least not this generation of people. We're going to have to wait a generation. And so what was a 40-day trek from one part of the Middle East to another ended up being a 40-year following one another's heels in circles. Just looking at the back of the person in front of you and going in a great big circle around the Sinai Peninsula and then into the Arabian Desert and then up, up around Syria. And then finally, finally, after 40 years, uh, crossing the River Jordan uh, after that generation had died. And it's so tragic. And it is um, one of those things is a cautionary tale for you and I because the problems were fear were doubt and grumbling. And it seems like God wants to be with people and he wants them to experience his presence, but he doesn't want any part of fear and doubt and grumbling and gossiping and backbiting. He's not gonna allow it. And so when we're wandering in the wilderness, he's calling us to look outside for him to be the deliverer for the pharaohs, for those who are in power over us that we sometimes are fearful of or uncertain of. But he also wants to be even more so the deliverer for the person who's in us. And so in Numbers 14, basically the, the, the story is, is, is described in this way. They're at the edge of the promised land. And then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let's choose to go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all of the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we, which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. 
for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I've done amongst them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. Wow, that's intense stuff. But it's there for a reason, and it's to remind us that when God makes a promise, because that's part of his pattern, there will be problems, there will be giants, there will be things that will provoke fear on a human level. There will be things that will cause us to doubt. And the question is, how do we participate in the promise? Because the promise is the word of God, and it's the different facets of how they relate to our existence whether it's daily bread, whether it's to help us with doubt and fear, whether it's just to trust that the Holy Spirit is in us and enabling us, whether it's to recognize that we are called to something in this time to be a blessing. And his goal is for us to be used under conditions that are uncertain because we're established on his promises to bring his life and light and reality to bear where darkness and hopelessness and despair prevail. Now, in every case, when the people participated with the promise, God provided. Whether it was Abraham and, and his wife, Sarah, or whether it was uh, his, his, his son and grandson who went through the same thing with barrenness, whether it was Moses who finally learned to trust God and saw that God, when he says something, will honor it, but will usually test us in the process. And he began to participate and he, and he went from being afraid and timid about speaking to being very bold in the end and longing to see the promised land. And God says, I'll let you see it, but unfortunately you won't be able to go in it. Well, how do you participate in the promise to be a blessing, to help people in this time to see that there is something greater than what the news is saying, than what maybe conspiracy theories are churning up, or what um, a, a, a disease that is ravaging people uh, is creating in terms of fear and panic. God is greater, and in the end, God wins. We're the crux is really about how we, well, how we recognize what his promises are. Scripture says that people perish for the lack of my word. And so are, are you able to spend time in the word and do things during this time of kind of sharpening the saw, you know, where we're getting ready to go back into life, hopefully eventually in, in some hopefully new normal way. But we're spending time working on our soul, working on our relationships, working on our connection with God, talking to God more, and just spending time meditating on him and his word, recognizing that in scripture, there is a, 
there is a pattern that is kind of like promise, problem, participation, and provision. You can even apply that pattern to the life of Jesus. And Jesus encountered so many problems that appeared to jeopardize what he was called to do. But he faithfully participated, even to the point of saying, not my will, but your will be done. And then God provided. And God provided in a way that was glorious by raising his son from the, from the tomb and declaring him raised immortal in us in his train. Powerful, powerful stuff. Well, let me just conclude this by talking about freedom for a second, because God had went into um, the, 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 the world power of the day's backyard and said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take over from here. I'm going to set these people free and you're going to let me. And after some power encounters, Pharaoh let him. And the people were set free. And the first half of the book of Exodus is about God setting his people free. And God wants to set you and I free from things that keep us captive, that keep us held down. And they may be just thoughts that invade, fear that paralyzes. They may be things that um, we just can't quite get a handle on. They could be addictions. They could be willfulness. They could be a hundred things that... Uh, that, that keep you up at night. And God says, I want to be your deliverer in this space. But I also want to do something else because freedom is a two-part experience. And the Israelites, they took their freedom and they said, we don't want it. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to, we, we, it was a great making bricks with straw and then not making bricks with straw, just making bricks without straw. It was awesome. And it's funny how when we look at the past, we tend to glamorize it a little bit more than it really was. God says, no, you're, you're in bondage and I've come to set you free. And he called them to be his own people. And he said, um, I want to free you from something. But freedom is a two-part experience. And I want to free you for something. And the four for the nation of Israel was to be called to be a people that would be a light to the nations because God looks at all people and he sees them under the domain or the dominion of other powers and principalities of corporations of countries of things that are really out of their control. And he wants to set them free with the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that everyone and every name, everyone shall bow, powers, principalities, authorities, human beings, all will bow before him. And that's comforting, isn't it? To know that we were set free to be a servant for him. Because Moses said, when you're set free, God says, now I want you to be free to serve me here on this mountain and serve me only and the bottom line is we're a slave to one thing or another only in the case of god the relationship is it's 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 a it's an upbuilding relationship he wants us to thrive in him to be blessed in him to have every single one of these characteristics 
that are a need in your life and mine provided for and sourced through him. And many of us who are watching and myself included could say, yeah, we've been blessed. And now we need to use that freedom that we have and that blessing that we have for your purposes, Lord. Well, in this story, as they're wandering, two choices are made at the end of the book of Exodus. One of them is to either serve the golden calf and give him credit for what is happening in their lives or to serve the God who says, I am who I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is your deliverer. And so Exodus 21 and following is about building two different temples. One of them is for the golden calf, and one of them is a habitation space for God. Well, the golden calf is just another way of saying I'm putting my trust in something other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, something other than Jesus himself. And I don't know where you're at. What altar do you go to in your time of greatest need, in your time of hurt, in your time of loneliness, in your time where you're struggling? Where do you go? And that's the clarifying thing we, we have to ask ourselves in the wilderness. Ultimately, all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Yes in Jesus. For me, that's, that's even more clarifying because no matter how disorienting life is, the name of Jesus has power. And it's reorienting because the name of Jesus is personal and yet deeply and profoundly reigning and sovereign over all. And God has called us to be a blessing for other people, primarily by bringing Jesus into the lives of other people. Now, let me end just by saying this. You read the news and you wonder where it's all going, and sometimes your thinking can go pretty dark. I want you to know something. There are a lot of people that have a lot of agendas. I mean, it could be the government, it could be Bill Gates, it could be whoever. I mean, wherever you're at on all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. Because there is one over all of them who has an agenda that's mentioned in the story, and that is God. God's agenda is that if it's not happening now, it is going to happen eventually. And that is all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Did you catch that? God's not going to let it go until that's a thing. And he wants you and I to be a part of it. And if you're asking yourself if I can't buy meat because, well, none's available. Or I don't have a job because I'm not sure... Uh, if, if the economy is ever going to come back. Let me just tell you something. God is our only safe and secure place. And if God's goal is to see his glory radiate through all of creation, he's going to be for us. And if God is for us, 
who, my friends, can be against us? Well, I'm just going to close with prayer and hope that God gives you a very blessed week. And let us know how we can help you out. Um, you can join me for Lunch with Leonard on, on a Tuesday and Thursday. Matt with the kids on Wednesdays. Uh, you got any questions, uh, just call us, text us, however you want to contact us. We're here for you. We love you guys. Father, we thank you that you are for us and that you are with us and that every blessing that we need in our being is found in you. Just help our people, Lord. Help those who are just joining us online, maybe for the first time, to discover that this is your intent and that your promises are as true and reliable as your character. And for that, Lord, we say a hearty amen and amen. Thanks, guys. Hope to see you soon.